For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Drive Podcast. I am Jeff Cross and I am here along with Mr. Chad Ozy. How are you, Chad? I'm great, Jeff. Good day today. Having fun. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, everything's... It's, we're in the middle of this, this uh, tournament here and it is exciting times we also have another special guest with us uh, mr alan jones how are you alan i'm doing well thanks for leaving the door open allowing me to just we tried to lock it we didn't leave it open oh you did yeah you being from law enforcement you found a way to kick the door in i did i was looking for something (laughs) to drink and here you guys are let me have a seat yeah so i i wanted to ask you this and i've been wanting to ask you this all week is it does anybody ever call you al yes what do you prefer I, anything that's non-derogatory is fine with me. Okay. I've been called Jeff Cross, too, to be honest with you. <laughs> that's derogatory. <laughs> For sure. No, so my dad is Alan. We have different middle names. Okay. Uh, we learned a long time ago, highly do not recommend that you name your son the same name as you. Mm. But I was Al, so I was little Al, Al Jr., mm. uh, Alan, you know, all those different things. Sure. So, uh, but uh, Al or Alan, it, it works. So are you a junior? Right, so Maybe. what are you, a second or a junior? I'm neither. Because we have different middle names. Oh, is that how that works? Mm-hmm. It is. Huh, I didn't know that. The, the light I, I'm an uneducated just, man. I am an uneducated man. This that light bulb was just as bright as about as you take your hat off right easy, now. Easy, <laughs> easy. Listen, I'll get some law enforcement in here and have you removed quickly. Um, yeah, I didn't... Uh, so, huh. So, Al, since you don't have the same middle name, that just makes you another Alan. I don't profess to be an expert, but that is my understanding. How many Allens are in your family? Two. Okay. Dad and I. I call them Pops. So, do you have grandkids? I do not. Okay. I always wondered, you know, if... I don't have any grandkids yet, and I was really hoping... Not hoping, but wondering if my daughter would... Or my son, when they decide to have kids, if they would name their... Their son, Jeff. Mm-hmm. My guess is probably not. Because it's not a very... Jeff is not a um, nostalgic, you know... Like it's kind of milk toast. We <laughs> <laughs> got very silent. <laughs> you know, I've been getting beat up. It, I didn't know it was pick on milk toast Jeff day today. <laughs> <laughs> So. Look at Chad, not me. Yeah. I'm, I'm on your side win. of the table. Yeah. I'm within so. punch distance. 
so what do we got going on today there, Mr. Rosie? Well, you know, you brought up the uh, the, the name thing. Uh, we talked a little bit in our last podcast about the fact that uh, we've been working a tournament together. We didn't bring up the, the name of that. No, why not? But, well, part of the reason for that is at the time that... Uh, the last episode came out. The tournament was not over yet. Oh. And so, wanted to wait till it was done. Always think it's kind of smart not to necessarily broadcast all that kind of stuff when you're in the midst of something. But uh, now that it's over, uh, we'll share that we've been working the Colt League World Series this mm-hmm. week. Colt League World Series is a, a fun event that happens every year. Uh, it is a 16U tournament with international participants. Mm-hmm. There's four... Uh, international participants every year. There's four American zone participants, uh, east, west, south, and north. Uh, and then there is uh, what they consider to be two host teams. They have a host city and a host area uh, that gets the automatic opportunity to participate in the tournament. So you have eight teams that uh, win their way in, um, and then you have two teams that are here. So there's a, a local draw and a local connection. And typically, because those teams are um, automatically uh, in and a part of it, they're they're pretty good because kids, uh, good kids, want to come be a part of that because they know they get to play in a high level tournament. And so we had some uh, great uh, teams from uh, across the United States. We had. Uh, a team from uh, Texas, a team from California, a team from North Carolina, and a team from Illinois, uh, Northern Illinois, not far from where uh, Jeff and I live. And then we had four international participants. Uh, we had Japan, uh, we had Mexico, we had um, Germany. Yep. Uh, they were a lot of fun uh, to have out there. And then uh, the Dominican Republic uh, qualified for the tournament, but was caught up in customs mm. uh, on the way here. And so did not get the opportunity to actually participate in the tournament. That was disappointing. We heard they had a, uh, a really solid team this year. We were looking forward to, uh, to seeing them play, but sometimes the, uh, the powers that be uh, take care of that stuff for us. So it changed up the format of the tournament just a little bit actually made it a little bit easier for us we we all worked a couple of less games which at this point of the week uh, right before the championship tonight uh, we're all glad to have worked a couple less yeah. games well yeah it does feel a little bit better yeah. on our knees and our legs that's right feet. we've we've worked a lot of baseball between the three of us uh, we have all worked 10 games up to this point uh, tonight will be our 11th game mm-hmm. Uh, in five days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, five days, 11 games. Some of you guys work that many games in a day and a half working travel baseball. I don't know how you do it. I'm just going to be honest with you. You can keep it. That's right. (laughs) Major respect. I could not, could not do it. Uh, But uh, so tonight's championship game uh, pits Covina, California uh, versus Marion, Illinois, the host city. Yeah. Uh, both teams went through their brackets undefeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it should be a great game tonight, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. But we thought it would be kind of fun to share with you all, with the, the three of us having worked this tournament together, um, thought it would be kind of fun to share maybe some things that we've learned um, working the tournament, maybe some experiences that we've had, uh, all that kind of thing, and uh, sometimes it's just neat to get that that perspective on how that works, and maybe some things that we've learned, that kind of stuff. So, Jeff, where do you want to where do you want to kick us off today? Well, I think first of all, everyone needs to know that there's there's actually six umpires here. You know, correct. Yeah. yeah. So not just the three of us. And, and <laughs> <laughs> no, could you imagine? Oh, oh goodness! Lord. I mean, because we're talking, we had some. Well, we're on a turf field here, and there was some pretty high 
heat days, and yep. um, sometimes I didn't know. If, I, I, I joked one time that I could see my breath coming out of this humidity and then coming back in my face. It was just really, really intense. But um, so, yeah, I guess what we, you know, I guess kind of how we qualify it is we have three umpires from the north and then three umpires from the south yep. of southern part of Illinois. So we're considered to be the, the northern crew, if, if that's yep. what you want to call it. Um, and, um, I, you know, this is something I've been looking forward to for a while. It's been a long time since I've been in some any kind of tournament baseball yeah. uh, as an umpire, and um, it felt good. You know, it felt good to be in a locker room and, and just kind of talking baseball and everybody kind of bringing their bags. And I remember day one, we were all kind of unloading, getting settled in, and, and you know, we're going to be here for the, for the, for the week. And um, it's, it's just a different vibe. It's just a different vibe than going in and working – your one nine inning game on Thursday night and then going home. It's just yeah. different. So, um, and the the crew that we've been with have been phenomenal. I yeah, mean, all six guys, mm-hmm. great guys. Uh, John and Brett and Dave, uh, who've been the the Southern Illinois crew. We've we haven't worked as separate crews. We've worked four person crews yep. the whole week uh, up until tonight. Tonight will be a six person crew, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we've mixed up every day and had a lot of fun working with each other. Yeah, yeah, and it that's what I was just going to say is is it's really cool. Not only the vibe, but to, to get now I've I just I met basically four other umpires that I, that I've never met before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of neat, you know, oh, yeah. you know, just to be able to expand my, a little bit more of uh, my umpire relationships and, and even just friendships. And, um, that's, it's, it's interesting. I know you're probably gonna think I'm weird for this, but when I was taking my walk this morning, I actually, I typically walk down to Walmart or whatever, but I, I walked in Walmart and I was going to, I was really going to buy, uh, five, like thank you cards and write a little thank you note. But then I thought it was a little weird. And, you know, I was talking to my daughter. My daughter's like, Dad, you, you know, something, something not right about that. So she convinced me that it wasn't okay or, you know, so. Way to go, Natalie. Now yeah, I don't get a thank you card. Yeah, you know, sure. yeah, now you just get like, you know, you get, you get a verbal thank you. That's all you get. <laughs> so um, if, if I had to say, I, this whole week has been great, but the best part of the whole week was just kind of being with all these umpires and talking about, you know, baseball and, and you know, uh, uh, Brett's wife like brought us, you know, pizzas and, you know, all that stuff is so, so cool that um, it, it's, it means more than uh, probably we could ever say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, this is your second time working this tournament, Alan. It is. So, uh, what's, what's it been like for you this year? This year's even better than last year in that now we have the international teams back in. Last year we were hindered by COVID and it was continental usa teams only which was fine we had yep. a few less games but the crew getting together and the opportunity was absolutely fun and you know not have to drive back to champagne after each game or yeah. each day mm-hmm. certainly helps out to allow for that you kind of get involved in the the experience but it's it is neat to see the the award or reward for these athletes from all over the world and the work they put into it and then the coordination by others to help get them to Marion, Illinois mm-hmm. to be able to get together and play baseball games is just fantastic. 
Yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. It takes so many people to make something like this happen. <clears throat> you know, on the baseball side, on the logistics side, parents traveling internationally. Uh, we saw a few of the parents from North Carolina. North Carolina uh, uh, played in a championship game of their bracket mm-hmm. uh, last night, lost a close game. They had the, the go-ahead run at the plate uh, when that game ended, <clears throat> and they're driving 10 hours home today, and you know, still just as excited as the day they came in. You know, mm-hmm. their their kids played well and had fun. And uh, it's been really neat for me to watch the interaction between the different teams. You know, again, when you're at a tournament setting where these kids are, they're all staying in hotels around and they're all eating the Buffalo Wild Wings at the same time mm-hmm. or going to these different places. And so you'll see kids from Mexico and California and Germany and Illinois and, all, you know, just hanging out together and having fun and, they're all over social media together. Oh, and yeah. The first baseman from North Carolina uh, was given one of the, the Illinois teams uh, a hard time because one of the other teammates of him was, like, texting him at 4 o'clock in the morning. And then that guy said, yeah, we were just trying to get you tired so you wouldn't hit as well today as you did yesterday. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, just stuff. Like, it, was, it was really fun to get to see that and experience it. And uh, there have been some – some really interesting things that have happened on the field. I think it'd be fun for us to talk about today yeah. because I think um, there are things that we can take into our regular games and all. There have been some fun things that we have just seen from a a culture standpoint uh, that I think are interesting. We've already learned about the first international trip that Jeff wants to take uh, coming up soon, and I'm sure he's going to share that with us uh, coming up in a little bit. But um, let let me just ask you this, uh, kind of starting off. most of us don't work for person mechanics very often. Mm, right. Right. So one of the first things that we had to do when we came in was talk about, well, well how do we do this? You know, and um, especially for a lot of our high school officials that listen to this podcast, this is something that happens to us on a regular basis. We'll work one way all season long. Then all of a sudden you get dumped into the playoffs and now you're working three person or four person. You've never done it before. And now you almost feel like a fish out of water at a time where you should feel the most confident because hmm. here you've been selected to work this high level game. And all of a sudden, ugh. or even in, in the conference tournament, I know Alan worked um, a college conference tournament uh, this year. And in that conference, they typically are two person games all season long. Now we get to the conference tournament and you're on a three main crew. You know, and so things are a little different. So, What's it like going from what feels normal and comfortable to then now being in a big moment where there's video cameras everywhere Mm -hmm. and instant replay and it's being broadcast all over the world and you're in an unfamiliar spot and they've got a high def camera right on second base when you're making that that call. What's that like for you guys? I'm going to go with Alan first. Go ahead. Well, for me, it's it's just another... It's a great opportunity, but it's a, a, a kind of a check. You know, when you go through the check in your mind and you're getting ready to go out there, and you, you have a lot of confidence that if, if this would have been a three-man deal, this would have been almost like getting in the car and starting the car and putting it in drive. You don't really think about it anymore. It's just a natural deal. You just kind of go through rinse, repeat memory. Now we're in a scenario where uh, this is a new context. Partner awareness has to be at very high levels. Your own self-awareness and you can't be caught sleeping and mm-hmm. to me that adds that level of stimulus or challenge that kind of helps keep me going as yesterday evening i was extremely tired for game number three and yeah. it was i found myself 
challenged in my mind, stay with it, stay with it, don't zone out. You know, it's mm-hmm. just an add to that that we were in the four man. If that had been two man or three man, I guarantee I would have been coasting and just trying to rely on what would have come natural as opposed to trying to perform or make, you know, confident and, and uh, you know, obvious and direct decisions to do where to be and what to do. Yeah. Yeah. For me, you know, obviously I'm in a little bit different. You know, Alan works three person, you know, throughout the spring. And, you know, I, I was still trying to, I just want to be in the right position, the right spot to, you know, give myself the best shot at getting plays correct. Mm-hmm. That's what I was focusing on. And, you know, when you, when you talk about four man or four person, um, opposed to what you maybe normally work as two person, you know, for a guy like myself, my self-talk is, is doubled or tripled now. Yeah. Um, in this situation. So, and, and then when I'm done talking to myself, it's in between innings. Now I'm talking to you or I'm talking to Alan, you know, or whoever. Okay. What about this? And now I see why we're doing this. So are, is that, is that something we should be doing now? So all those things, I mean, if the, the truth about it for me anyway, and uh, Alan, maybe you could speak into it, is this week has been a week-long camp for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's been a, a week-long uh, chance for me to, to quiz people, ask questions with zero regard of judgment. Uh, maybe I'm getting judged, but I don't care. But I knew I wasn't going to lose or gain any games by asking these questions. So that's why I kept on asking them. So um, that's just what it felt like with with the aspect of you know really good competition and you know the aspect of you know challenging coaches and players and uh, just challenging situations in general it, 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 we haven't had a game yet but only one or two that have even been by the mercy rule maybe only one yeah. so every game has calls been on the line and um, when we can have those uh, intense moments plus still learn and use that camp atmosphere for a guy like myself was invaluable. Yeah, it was really interesting. <clears throat> my uh, my second plate of the tournament uh, was maybe one of the best games of the tournament so far. Um, it was the, the host team that made it to the championship game tonight playing Mexico. Mexico had a, a really good team and, a, and a, a kid throwing on the mound that night that was that was doing a good job. And it was a back and forth, neck and neck game the whole time. And the the Mexican crowd travels well, mm-hmm. and it's a party. I mean, it is a party in the stands. Those mamas can really cheer. Mm-hmm. Yes, they can. They can really cheer, and they can really boo. Uh, <laughs> when something happens, it does not go. I think you did get booed. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I mean, it was... It, it, that that part was really neat. Of course, with it being the the host team, they had a great <clears throat> group of fans out. We're we're playing this uh, tournament in a uh, minor league ballpark that seats several thousand people. Um, so you know, there's sometimes where you think, well, it, you know, might be easy for it to feel empty or whatever. But there've been a lot of games here that have had a great atmosphere mm-hmm. and and a lot of folks and and all that. But what was fun about that game? It was like we had kind of gotten to the point of the tournament where everything was starting to click. 
And what was really fun was watching uh, the other three guys on the bases. Jeff and Alan were both on that game. Uh, Brett um, was our fourth, and Brett's a phenomenal umpire from Southern Illinois. Uh, who's uh, he's the he's the youngest member of our crew, and maybe one of the best members uh, of our crew. He's, he's a, good. He's a solid, solid umpire. Good person. Yeah, That's great. Right. Even, even better guy than than he is an umpire. And we uh, watching the the three of you orchestrate what you were doing out there uh, more than any any game we we had had up to that point the crew communication was on point mm-hmm. um the the way that you know guys would slide over and fill the next spot and the rotations and all that it was it was really kind of fun to watch that click it's as fun as the game itself was mm-hmm. it was fun to watch you know how all that worked and i think that's one of the really unique fun things about about working a tournament of some sort, and this is not a tournament where uh, we're getting paid large sums of money. Truth, um, we, get, we get paid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right. <clears throat> it's not a tournament where um, you know people are going to hear about it on you know ESPN. It's not even making the Ocho. You know, it's yeah. funny. It's it's being broadcast on actual TV in other countries mm. um, that are that are using the the cult feed, and that's why they have to have things certain ways when sure. we go out to work the game and stuff like that. Um, but it's it's being seen by uh, lots of people all over the place, and uh, it's a it's a really fun in, environment with that. But the reason that you take the opportunity to come work something like this, at least for me, one is like Jeff said, it's that that interpersonal element that's mm-hmm. so great, and you get to meet people and, and form friendships and that kind of stuff. But the other thing is, I believe that every time we put ourselves in elimination contests it gives us the opportunity to get exponentially better what i mean by that is in baseball season we talk about three different seasons you've got non-con season at the beginning of the year you've got the conference schedule that happens the next two-thirds of the season and then you've got tournament baseball that happens at the end of the year And I don't care if you're talking about a conference tournament, a JUCO region tournament, an NCAA regional, a super or whatever, at every level that goes, it amps up because it's somebody's last game, Mm -hmm. you know, and not just maybe somebody's last game of the season, but it's maybe somebody's last game ever, you know, Uh, you got a kid here that's a 16 year old that, you know, maybe as a 16 year old, he's he's a starting pitcher and maybe something happens between 16 and 17 and something goes wrong with his arm and he can't throw again. You know, you never know when is somebody's last game. And so the intensity just ratchets up. Um, And so I I thought that might be a kind of a fun place for us to start when we're talking about things that happen on the field. Um, You know, we've had a, a few situations this week where there's tough calls that have had to be made and have been made that, on games where people have gone home, mm-hmm. they're done now. Um, how does that intensity affect you guys? Um, and it, were there were there times we handled it well? Were there times we could have handled it better? Uh, talk to me about that a little bit, Alan. I know what's how he keeps hey, you know, passing the buck to you first. Listen, it's a we step. always treat our guests with respect. You know, Thank you. <laughs> that was a disrespectful look when you said no, Alan. But, no, I want to hear uh, it. Yeah. it one of the things that has always been true 
and, and provided in the trainings and stuff that I've attended, you have to have the courage to make the call. I think you guys have talked about this, you know, with that pressure comes the privilege of being there and mm-hmm. the opportunity to have the courage to make the call. And then, and then you, you, you hope you're right. You, did I really see what I saw and did I step out and do it? And I think to me, that's been the, the fun part is that you're working with guys in the back of your mind, like, man, I don't want to get that wrong. Mm. And, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to give the best service you can give and the best positioning you can get and making those calls. But I, I made this comment the other night and chatted. You said something about it too. In that game, you described the, the Southern Marion and, and Mexico game. It got kind of ramped up. We got a USA chant coming from one side of the field, mm. a Mexico chant coming from the other side of the field. Mm-hmm. We got a three, two count with two outs and runners at first and second and a one run game. And, Boy, if you just can't let your emotions get out of control in that scenario, and we kind of talked about that a little bit, is that this gives me an opportunity to say, yeah, I got to stay calm, neutral, focused, mm-hmm. relaxed, uh, but attentive, on point. And that's, that's been fun. Mm-hmm. So, and definitely, you know, obviously, you know, staying neutral is, is a key thing for me. But in the ways that, it, that helped me do that was, because I, I was, my position was second base uh, for that game. And I remember telling myself as the game, you know, we, we even talked to me and I said, listen, this, this, this is shaping up to be a pressure-packed game. Mm-hmm. It, it's definitely shaping up. So we just, we talked about those things in between. And so to help keep myself from um, subduing to the pressure when I had any time, every situation, when a new, let's just say we have a runner at first only, so I'd come in into the deep B. Is that what you guys there call you it? Go. Yeah, deep B. I'm learning stuff, man, over here. Um, Amazing. I know. I would tell myself, okay, get yourself in a good position. If there is a steal, this is where this is the position. This is the this is the look you want. And then I would even I don't know if you notice this or not, but I would find myself looking at the position that I wanted before the play would even happen. And I would look at it and go, okay, yep, I like this look. I'm sorry, I keep turning my head away from the microphone, but that, that's, that's what I keep on doing. I would look at it and go, okay, yep, I like this distance. I like, I'm probably gonna take a step or two, so I'm gonna be right in here. And I looked at that and, and I would just say, if you're in the good position, the, the call will take care of itself. You should be able to do all those things. And um, obviously, that helped relieve some of the pressure. When I was, when I had, you know, I was in the, uh, what do they call that? Would they call it deep? What would they call when you're outside then? Yeah, you're outside. Outside, whatever, okay? <laughs> I'm such a Not leader. outside the stadium. Yeah, you're I'm outside, outside the infield, you know? okay. So, I, you know, I would find myself looking at right field or left field or center field, center field or, okay, where's, what's the setup? Because this is my catch, no catch area. So again, I was just trying to stick to the facts. The facts are, if I get a fly ball in this area, it's gonna be my responsibility they have the catch, no catch. You know, it's good. The facts are when I'm in the deep B, I'm going to have this slide and I want to get this look for a stolen base. And if my third base umpire goes, ah, the facts are we have first and second. So now I'm going to have to go over in third and cover third. Those are the facts. The facts are Alan's going to go over and cover second base for me if I go over to third. And that helped me to uh, not succumb to the pressure. And being with the people that we were with mm-hmm. helps with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when, and we've, as we've spoken before in the past about this, you know, we're looking for people to follow. 
And when the people around us are ready to lead the same way you're ready to lead, it's it's a lot of fun and it's a lot easier to to handle that that uh, pressure that we put on ourselves and and people around you are putting on you um, to do to to do excellent. You know, yeah. we're not going to be perfect. We're trying to be excellent. So that that helped me a lot. Yeah, you know, I. I remember a very specific play from that game that I thought was interesting. Um, you know, I brought up the the video and that kind of thing because not all of us get to work in stadiums where there's jumbotrons, where they're throwing replays up and that kind of thing. And we have had that all the time. I mean, anytime there is a close play, it is immediately on the jumbotron and it's big. Mm. I mean, it's it's not like budget, you know. <laughs> it's not jumbotron, it's jumbotron. There's nowhere to hide out there, I found. Oh. I was looking for a place to crawl under every time they put those up. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Not me. That wasn't me. <laughs> but there was a play... Uh, that the uh, the left fielder started turning towards center and going back. Um, and so in that situation, that means it's the second base umpire's responsibility to go out and take that, take that catch, nobody on. And uh, Mexico was up to bat. Ball goes up. Well, the left fielder misread the ball. So after Jeff has made the decision to go out and take that ball, all of a sudden cuts hard towards the line, which now means that catch is going away from Jeff. Mm -hmm. And so Jeff hustles across the front of that play as fast as he possibly can. Kid makes a diving spectacular catch. Jeff does a really smart thing that we've even talked about on this before. Okay, you, you get set for that for that call, and then you run further. So it looks like you were you were closer to it than what you were. I mean, after he made the call, he's like on a sprint, holding his hand up, you mm-hmm. know, with the out and the whole bit. I mean, it was it, it was a great look. Well, they throw that thing up on the jumbotron, and it looks to everybody in the stadium like the baseball's on the ground. To everybody, even me. Yeah, yeah, even me. <laughs> Everybody is looking at the jumbotron, and you hear the crowd go nuts. And the Mexican coach is even running out towards towards left field. The baseball's on the ground. The baseball's on the ground. I think he was even pointing to the jumbotron. Yes. Yeah, he was. He he was pointing at the at the thing. Look, the ball's on the ground. Well, what had happened was that left fielder's right wrist had white tape, white athletic tape around it. Mm-hmm. And what everybody was seeing, because the Jumbotron isn't quite HD, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. because of that, it it looked like a baseball was laying on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then you see the right hand come up. And so then they assume that, you know, the baseball's, well, no, the ball was in the kid's glove the entire time. It was absolutely the right call. And the really interesting thing was the coach came out the next half inning and apologized. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something we don't see, you know, and he, he pointed and he, he does not speak English well at all, but he went to our third base umpire, pointed towards the wrist and said, you know, tape, tape mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and was apologetic for it. But again, that's just, that's an element that we don't always have to contend with that immediate scrutiny. Now, Jeff, I know that's something you deal with almost every single time you go out to work a basketball game, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's Big Ten Network, whether it's the Valley, the Horizon, wherever you're working, there's you have high def replay right there. And, and I just thought it might be kind of fun. We, we don't have a replay at this mm-hmm. tournament, but everybody's replaying it, mm-hmm. right, right. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So when you work a game with replay, does that make you more confident when you go out 
or does it make you more tentative knowing, oh, they're going to see my mistake the moment it happens? If I'm speaking honestly, I don't even put it in my head about they're going to replay this on the Jumbotron. I put it in my head. I know they, they've replayed it on the Jumbotron, and I potentially could have missed it when the crowd goes nuts. Okay. That's when Jumbotron comes into my head. Um, but, you know, we, we are fortunate enough to be able to use instant replay to our advantage to help get the play right or the rules right. So um, I, that's always in my head that I can use it. But I very rarely think as I'm working a game, they're about to put this baby on a Jumbotron. I know it's on a Jumbotron when I hear reaction. I know that then. Um, I and Just go back to this tournament. When I have a close play, the last place I look is a Jumbotron. Mm-hmm. When, you have when a close Alan play, has first a place. close play, the first place I look is a Jumbotron, <laughs> right? Because it doesn't help me if I have a close play and it doesn't help me to look at the jumbotron, even if it, even if I can do it in incognito, right. you know, right. it doesn't help me, and that, that decision's already been made. Right. But it helps me as a as a partner to help you. Hey, listen, it looked like you got it right for me, and I watched the replay. You did. Right. That helps. Yeah. Um, but I also would like to share that I don't know that me going to Allen, hey, that close play at first, I looked at a jumbotron, you got it wrong. That, or right. It doesn't make a difference unless Alan's saying, did anybody get a chance to see it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that doesn't help. And then evaluating why mm-hmm. I got it right mm-hmm. or wrong and what, what position. We had one in, in a different game yep. where I was at first base and their, the throw and the runner were coming from home. And two steps off the line, mm. I'm basically, I, I know he's on the bag and I know the runner's coming, but the ball in the glove is mm. the part that's totally obscured from that and we mm-hmm. talked about that afterwards is that the positioning you know a little more than two off the line was probably where I needed to try to get there but mm-hmm. I, I didn't yeah and so we were able to I mean taking that and then using it to evaluate mm-hmm. that literally you know everybody says half step I think it was a quarter step I missed it by a quarter <laughs> step yeah. maybe an eighth of a step I'm yeah, even going that right. far I missed it I'm no math whiz yeah but it's <laughs> not as wide as some people would say it is yeah. but then using that as a growing opportunity to to put in your catalog the next time I see that, how I can play it out. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, I don't c- think about it. I don't think about the camera things except for you know, during kissing cam during the between innings or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't watch it. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my favorite one so far in this tournament has been the Titanic cam. That was a nice <laughs> that's piece. That's been fun. Well, maybe in the goofball that I am, I've never even seen the movie Titanic. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Would you please share something with me that surprises me, Jeff? <laughs> when they so what do they call that? The yeah. So there's they a don't call scene, it the Titanic cam. They, yeah, there's a scene where she stands on the very front bow right? of the Titanic, uh-huh. and he's behind her, and her arms are out, and okay. she keeps him safe while he's there. So now, so now he they do this, and you'll have two people stand up and do the pose of Rose, and I think it's Jack was in the is that the name of the guy in the movie? Who, whoever Leonardo DiCaprio was, Kate Winslet, Leonardo DiCaprio were the two people. 
Yes. I haven't seen the movie. Oh, good. So, but that, so the hilarious thing about this is, so they'll put it up on the camera, and sometimes it's a husband and wife, and they're recreating it, mm, you sure. know, whatever. And then the other day, they flipped it, and so the wife was behind the husband, and he's yeah. acting like he's got his hair flowing in the wind yeah, right, and all, yeah. you know. And, oh, right. it's funny. It's but I forget what they call that game, though. What, what did they call it? They didn't call it Titanic. You know, it's time for the Titanic game. They didn't call it that. It must have been the name of the name. It seemed maybe the Rose... Rose pose or something along that line. They call it Titanic Cam, is what they call it. Yeah, it's a Titanic Cam. Hmm. He has the edit button down there. (laughs) Just go with it. Yeah, maybe that's what they call it. But because I remember when it first came up, I'm like, what is this? I've never seen this before. What is this? Then I figured out. Yeah. You know, I've seen enough commercials to know that that's something. It's on Titanic. Plus, they were playing with Whitney Houston. The song or whoever. No, it's Celine Dion. Oh, see, see there. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. Chad is all things entertainment, <laughs> and we're I'm not all, so much. I'm all things boring and you know, mundane. <laughs> oh, that's good. So stuff. yeah, I don't. Uh, you know, the the jumbotron is very, very um, helpful. Yeah. And can be actually a little detrimental if we let it. Um, but again, I'm going to stay neutral. Yeah. My, my, I got, where, where's my best position to get the best look at this play? What's going to be my next step? If the ball goes, you know, when I'm at first base, I tell myself, if the ball's coming from a plate area, i got to get a 45 so I can see the ball in base. If it's coming from anywhere in the infield, like, you know, all those things. So, um, yeah, uh, stay neutral as much as possible. Get, stick to the facts. Yeah, and for me, I actually really enjoy I, – I, I love even more when it's a game where we actually have replay. Some people get really nervous of replay because they are so worried about getting a call overturned. Yeah. Well, if my job is to get the call right and I got it wrong, mm-hmm. then I want to get overturned because mm-hmm. yeah. I want the call to be right. So I actually feel a greater confidence on a bang-bang play if, if we're going to replay because now one of two things is going to happen. One, the coach is going to go, man, that was close and – yeah, it was wrong, but now we got the call right. Mm-hmm. So they're happy. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to confirm that I got it right, yep. and now they have even more confidence in me yep. that on a close play, we got it right. Yep. And in a situation like this, where we do have good video to be used, to, to use both during and after the game, mm-hmm. like Alan said, we can go look at it. We can figure out why did we get it wrong. So again, wh- how that how that relates to us, you know, in our everyday officiating, wherever we're at as we're listening to this podcast, is, man, don't be afraid to use video. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, pull up those pull up those plays. And again, it's not did I get the play right or did I get the play wrong. There are times I've gotten the play right and I was in a horrible position. Yeah, we call that lucky. That's right. <laughs> That's lucky. <laughs> and I am far more lucky than I am good. Yeah, right. But. But in that situation, okay, just because I got it right doesn't mean I was correct. Yeah. Okay, I got it right, but man, I need to be over here in this position. Mm-hmm. I've got to work harder to get this angle. Or I got it wrong. Well, why did I get it wrong? Well, I got it wrong because I felt like I was out of position and I wasn't because I'm not used to working four man. I'm used to working three. Or I got it wrong because I, I wasn't in the right position and now I, I got blocked out. I didn't have a good look at the ball going in the glove. Whatever those things mm-hmm. are. Um, it was funny that people over the booth, they actually asked the question if they could turn on the uh, the pitch box for the international mm. uh, broadcast. You know, and uh, I said, oh, with, with these crews, I have no problem with that at all. 
So it absolutely put him. Now, they, they ultimately made the decision not to do that, mm-hmm. you know. But they, they have that set up here from the minor league team mm-hmm. that's there. And it, they had some conversation. Well, what if we had it just to be able to use, like, for replay stuff and all that and everything, but it didn't go out on the broadcast? Well, it's, it's all or nothing mm-hmm. for them, you know. But I said, it, it wouldn't bother me mm-hmm. if that was up. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just that's how it is. And, yeah. and you kind of go from there. So don't don't be afraid of that. And, you know, I want everyone to know, even in this tournament, you know, because we have this replay, this, you know, the broadcast that is on, we, we would come in the locker room and we'd pull it up, we'd pull up a play or, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to give Brett some kudos here because he was, seemed like our, he was our guy. He that's always right. had it pulled Brett's up. On Boom, it, here it is. Here it is. So, um, that is, and he would come back the next day, hey, man, I got a chance to look at that play. You got it. I can't see anywhere where you could have called nothing but an out. And, um. He's really good about that, and um, that that helps that helps us to confirm what we're doing is correct. Mm-hmm. And but what you, what you're saying when you're in a bad position and you get a call right it means you're correct. But the the difference is you got it correct, but you're not confident in it. Mm-hmm. When we're in a good position and we get it correct, we have confidence. Yeah. And when we have confidence in our calls, that tends to you know, multiply into more correct calls, more correct calls. Yeah. No different than as soon as we miss one, they can, if we're not yeah. careful, multiply into a bunch of bad ones to put together. Yeah, it's kind of funny. One of the guys up in the press box was specifically asking about the the play that Allen had the night before because he had a he had a vested interest in that game. He had a family member playing okay. in the game, you know. Right. And uh, so he started to bring it up. I said, "Oh, the one that we missed." And he's like, "Well, how'd you know?" I said. Any play of any significance in this tournament, we are immediately going to the locker room and checking them. Mm-hmm. I said, because we want to get better. And it was so funny because he went from thinking he was going to be able to kind of point the figure, ah, you guys got one wrong, mm-hmm. to instead being impressed with the crew, mm-hmm. that we cared enough about it that we want to get them right. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, oh, well, you know, it didn't matter. We got the double play the next time, you know, we got the next out or whatever it was, you know, like it was nobody, but it went from being something that could have almost been confrontational to now, I think he has a better respect for umpires in general, knowing that we want to get it right. Mm-hmm. You know what I've seen outside even of this tournament where working the summer college league or working some of the, the, the spring collegiate games, when we have these type of things going on, I've found that one tool that seems to work for me is that after you've heard what they've had to say, right or wrong, don't know, I would generally respond that I will look at that play and I will check it and I will, you know, see if any, what adjustments need to be made. And, you know, in some sort of verbiage along that line, yeah. the willingness to, say that I want to review it and get better sometimes leaves a better taste in the mouth, even though they don't disagree, they don't agree with us. But wait, he just said right or wrong, he's going to take the time to study that video. Mm-hmm. And so I think that has some value uh, in the long run. Oh, absolutely. And I'd say if you're the kind of person who says, I don't need to look at video at that, probably the reason why is because you're afraid you missed it. Mm. Or, or you, you don't want to have it confirmed, you know? <laughs> And, and again, we're not looking at it just to decide, did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? But what are all the other components that go into that? Okay, so let's, let's, talk, let's talk about your first international trip, Jeff. Where is it that you're going to go on your first international trip and why? Japan. Can I go with you? <laughs> well, 
I'm probably I'm gonna only going to be able to afford two tickets, uh, and I feel like uh, Gina would be mad if I went to Japan without her. Right. So, yeah. I um, Could you imagine that. Gina in Japan with a camera? <laughs> you will not have enough hard drives to bring back all the digital pictures that, that she true. will That is true. We'd have to buy some, some of the, what do they call those, the little discs or whatever those <laughs> things are. Yeah, those camera cards. Yeah, she, yeah that, is, that is the truth. She would... She would totally enjoy that. Oh, my gosh. And, well, Gina just enjoys traveling and seeing different things all the time. So, um, yeah, I was, I mean, I know this is going to sound weird, but I was head over heels impressed with just how they did things. Like, so much that I was almost distracted from what I, my job was mm-hmm. by what they were doing. Every pitch, they're telling, you know, their teammates what's going I don't know what they're saying, but they're telling them something, right? For all I know, they're turning the right field and say, hey, this guy next to me, he's really bad. You know, I don't know. I don't know what they're saying, but I'm just... No, I think they were saying this guy behind the plate. Yeah, the guy behind the plate, he's no good, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, it was always this constant movement, and I literally watched the, the head coach or the manager, what they would call, literally, for the two hours, he just leaned against the... The dugout and watched them all do it. He would say a couple things, you know, and boom, 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 everybody would go. And no one, in general, the whole team was like that. But Japan, I noticed it even more so. Every movement was at minimum a light jock, every minimum. And it was just, it was just, that's what I watched multiple kids in the Japan dugout go from one end of the dugout to the other, because it's rather a big dugout, in a jock. They didn't just walk over there, mosey over there to get a ball and mosey back and throw it out. They did a light jock, boom, boom, come out, throw it to them. You know, all those things. So that, all that was so impressive to me. It, it made me jealous in the way I do things. I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I, I want to be able to have this kind of, um, I hope I'm using the right word because I'm, I'm not familiar with the Japan culture, but I feel like it's very, very disciplined. Discipline, respect, intentionality. There's yeah. an intentional movement in yeah. everything they do. Yeah. And, you know, I am a big fan of discipline. And when I saw all that discipline happening, happening, I'm like, I'm jealous of that. I want to, wish I had that kind of discipline. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there are people that would see that and say, oh, well, that must be kind of an oppressive or repressive type society or whatever, you know. Um, I don't know that any kids in this tournament had any more fun than the Japanese kids had. Now, there are other kids that had just as much fun. I'm not knocking that. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the teams have had a blast and, have, you know, all that. But there was a the last game that Japan played, I was on the bases for, I was at second base. And uh, they uh, they were getting beat. And mm-hmm. it was, it was kind of obvious. They were going to go down. And it's like, oh, man, this, you know, this was not a team that we expected to go out as early as they did. They just had some breaks kind of not go their way and, and made some errors that mm-hmm. shouldn't made. And uh, so here they are. A kid's just got hit pretty hard. And they're, they're getting ready to be eliminated out of an international tournament. Mm-hmm. And the catcher walks out to the pitcher to talk to the pitcher and has the biggest grin on his face mm-hmm. he could possibly have. I don't know. Was he just trying to calm his pitcher down? Was he just trying to be relaxed? Or was it just, you know what? We're playing baseball. Mm. You know? Yeah, in a nice place, right? Yeah, we're, we're, we're in this amazing stadium. Mm-hmm. 
with these fans, eating food we don't always eat at home, yeah. doing you know different things and having these different experiences, and man, enjoy it. I mean, that, that's what it seemed like. That's sure. what his body language said. Yeah. And I just even thought because you know th- there are things that as an individual person you couldn't bring to your team. You can't bring that level of discipline as one participant to a team. Hmm. I can't bring that level of discipline to my officiating crew every night or maybe even to my place of business or whatever. That's cultural. Yeah. But, but I can bring that positive infectiousness Mm -hmm. to every situation that I encounter. And that, that was something that I took from that team. So I have a question for you guys. I've traveled abroad. I spent two years in Russia or two weeks in Russia, not two years, two weeks in Russia in a place where I didn't know the language and was totally out of sight. There were conversations going on in these baseball fields with a couple of the different teams that didn't speak English at all. How'd that make you feel? Go for it, Jeffrey. Me- meaning? To be there, you have a complete communication barrier. And and there, when you had to interact with the coach or sure. when you had to interact with the players mm-hmm. and simple things like that's outside. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. you know, get back in the box. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, how, how did all that... Well, happen? yeah, it definitely... Because your first game was two teams that spoke different languages. Your first game on the plate, right, Jeff? Yeah, it was uh, Germany, Mexico. Germany, Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, right. That was a. Uh, I want to make sure I'm using the right word here. It was nerve wracking, but like. It, it felt okay because I knew what I was trying to say, mm-hmm. but what it made me do is really focus on what I was doing, body language, those kind of things, opposed to just say, yeah, right, just saying what I wanted to say, and mm-hmm. and you're gonna know what I'm. So I really like. I remember trying to get the interpreter out and then asking him to say, okay, you know. What is his question? Mm-hmm. And then he would say what his question was. And there was even a time where, because we had kind of we, we we had ruled correctly, but the uh, one coach was upset that we didn't he didn't have the time to make an adjustment or what, whatever yeah. the story was. And I was over there getting baseballs, and I happened to be by that dugout, and I saw the interpreter. The interpreter came to because there was a uh, maybe a lineup change, or whatever, and I did the lineup change, and I told the interpreter, and I said. Could you please tell him that I'm sorry I didn't allow him a chance to, to make his adjustment? And in the interpreter, you know, it does, doesn't attach any emotion to it. You know sure. what I mean? But he, he's just repeating words. He's just repeating it, right? And he repeats it to the head coach. And the head coach looks at me and goes, you know, you, the body language just turns out like, oh, it's okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Those kind of things. And so I noticed that, that, okay. People that are speaking a language that they don't understand to me are used, trying to use proper body language. Same thing that I needed to do to them was use the same proper body language. Now, I'm going to let you answer that question, but I still want to add to this. So go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, because the, the biggest lesson I learned, and, I, and, I've, and I've read this or heard it somewhere, but it became very evident to me this week. We get frustrated from words that we hear other people say because we know the meaning of them. For all we know, Japanese speaking, Spanish speaking, 
German speaking. German speaking. We're saying the same words, but we weren't affected by them because we didn't know what they meant. We attached that meaning to the word to make us feel a certain way. That means nothing. That's just us attaching that emotion to it. So to me, I, I prefer, it was, I don't want to say easier, but I enjoyed working the, the language barrier games. The non-English games. Yeah, right. because I, didn't, I wasn't attaching those words. Because if I have a close play at, at first, and I got two, I got a team, maybe it's going, you missed that. You know, they're not even talking to me. They're just talking to, saying it out loud, which we have all the time in English speaking games where the coach is just talking out loud, talking about that was, he was so safe, you know, and all these other things. And I attach emotion to it. Yep. But when it's said in Japanese or Spanish, I'm not attaching emotion to it because I don't have any idea what they're saying. Yeah. So that was the, the biggest thing that I learned. It's like, you know, quit attaching emotion to these words that you're hearing, just accept them for what they are. They, they've said that, and then obviously you don't want things to get personal. So yeah. Yeah, that was a big thing for me. Yeah. I, uh, I had some really fun experiences with the language this week. Um, I know everybody can tell because of my uh, vast uh, sports background and all. Uh, I was a uh, vocal performance and choral conducting major in college. Um, so uh, shout out to Kevin St. John out there as a uh, fellow yeah. opera guy. But uh, so I, I grew up doing especially European language art songs. So Italian, French, German, uh, that kind of thing. And so that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm fluent in those languages by any stretch of the imagination. It means that I can pronounce them correctly. Mm. And then one of the things that my professors would always make me do is go in and do word by word translation. So that way you knew what you were singing. So, uh, and then my, my senior year for my senior recital, I specialized in German art song. And so I know all of this German poetry because that's essentially what most songs are. It's, you know, poetry set to music. And uh, so Franz Schubert was, I did several of his things and all. So I'm talking with the German first baseman the one day and he speaks English very well. And we're talking back and forth and we're joking around about it. And so I started going, Du meine Seele, du mein Herz, du meine Wannung, du mein Schmerz, du meine Welt, in der ich lebe, mein Himmel, du da rein, ich schwebe. And I'm going through all this kind of stuff. And he's rolling, you know, because he can actually understand me. We're talking, and we go back and forth, <laughs> and I know this and all. And then he starts talking to me in German. I'm like, oh, no, dude. <laughs> like, that ain't working. Like, I can do, like, I can do words. Like, I can pick out words they were saying. Mm -hmm. I can do it. So a lot of time... Uh, if I was tuned in enough, I could have an idea of what it was they were communicating about, mm -hmm. but I didn't necessarily know exactly what they were communicating. You know, I could pick up words and all, but it, it was really fun to, to kind of do that with them. Uh, and uh, so that was neat. And then I had the, the Mexico Marion game that I was telling you about. And through the, the independent minor league baseball stuff that I've done, I have worked with a lot of Spanish speaking catchers specifically it seems like a ton of catchers that come through that are spanish speaking uh, but most of them are bilingual not all but most and so i've just worked with them over the last two or three years okay what are things i can do because there's a lot of pitchers that come in that are only spanish speaking hmm. and so you know hey how do i communicate with thing with them or whatever i had a high school spanish teacher mr brad federer uh, who uh, who did good things with us and giving us just some very practical usages. And so uh, normally when there's two pitches left um, with an American team, we say, hey, two more. 
right? So when the Mexican teams are there, go dos mas, you know, uno mas. Uh, whenever we have a batter get back into the batter's box, we, I say stay close. You know, some guys will say get in the box or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I just go aquí, aquí, you know, here, here. You know, come, uh. come get in the box, whatever. And for me, I was doing it, one, as a way to say, hey, I, I want to communicate with you in a way that is comfortable. Like, even, even if I, I don't do it exactly right, if that's not how an umpire in Mexico would do it, like, I have no idea. But right. I, at least it felt like I was trying to help bridge a mm-hmm. cultural language barrier. Mm-hmm. And the, we were staying in the same hotel as Team Mexico. Uh, the three of us and uh, the interpreter came up both at the game and then the next day at breakfast and mentioned said that they really appreciated mm-hmm. the fact that we had done some of that so that then you know just it, it just kind of made the kids feel a little at home and think about it they're in a game where like you said it was you know USA USA Mexico Mexico if it seems like everybody on the field is the English speaking opponent, mm-hmm. you know, them just having a home plate umpire that was communicating to them, even stiltedly yeah. in a language that's familiar to them. It's like, okay, well not everybody's against this. We're, you know, they're just doing their job. They're doing their thing. And so I, I thought that was a lot of fun. Okay. I, I love it. Cause regardless of the language they speak, they all spoke baseball. Right. Everybody spoke baseball. Everybody knows safe out. Yep. Ball one. And every one. 15, 16 year old kid spoke Instagram and Snapchat. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> sure <laughs> did. Well, I would call that being a guardian of the game. Sure. Sure. We you know. It was interesting to me that you had, uh, of these teams, even of our American teams, there was a large Hispanic population on a lot of the teams. And there was, mm. there was a lot of Spanish being spoken. Yeah. And... Uh, the Greensboro team, for example, doesn't have many, if any, Spanish-speaking individuals. Mm-hmm. And in the marathon game I had yesterday, the catcher turned around and goes, I'd love to know what they're saying. And I said, you know what, I would too, most of the time. I said, but I imagine they're saying the same thing your coach would be saying. However, they may also be saying, hey, that guy is really too far off. Get ready, I'm going to pick you off. <laughs> and you don't understand yep. what they just said in plain English. Yeah. So. Yeah, I also found it a great reminder that as Americans, um, we don't have nearly the cultural broadness that most people from other countries have. Ain't that the truth? You know? Absolutely. I, listen, I'm guilty. Oh yeah, I'm guilty. But when when we came to the plate meeting, it was Germany. Was it Germany Mexico? Yeah. Yeah, that was your oh, that was your first two. plate, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So we came out there, and, and the interpreter was having a, a little bit of a struggle interpreting some baseball things mm-hmm. to the coach. The German coach starts speaking fluent Spanish to the Spanish to the Mexican coach. He sure did. You know, to start explaining things. So now the German coach was flipping between English, German, and Spanish as if it was nothing. <laughs> it's embarrassing. You know? That's exactly right. And I can't order a double cheeseburger. That's right. right. We're just trying to figure out how to say gracias. Yeah. yeah we <laughs> in the proper dialect. That's right. You know? You said here, here. It's meant TD, TD, here. What was it? Itty, itty. Aki, aki. Aki, aki. Yeah. Get 
can't do that to me on a podcast because I can't edit that out. There ain't no way I, that stayed in forever. Just so you know, when you go to uncommondrivepodcast at gmail.com and send us your uh, questions, you can also now order the Uncommon Drive Podcast <laughs> TDTD t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Only $25 and we will ship it oh, to your home. But wait, there's more. You can get a signed copy <laughs> of the right. t-shirt. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> I guess that's probably not the right one. <laughs> oh my goodness. Courtesy of 11 baseball games. That's exactly right. Oh, we get a little little punchy. Yeah. I, I I hope you all are Wait, enjoying this. There's another fun story we have to share. Oh, are we are we talking about the game yesterday? Or you got no, something, it's else? something? Okay, else. go ahead. Okay, go. Ahead. You go that. Then, no, I'm no, I'm going to wrap with that. But uh, go ahead. But okay. The, we we gotta share the story. We gotta leave. We <laughs> gotta share nice the story. Here. No, don't you go anywhere, bro. The story when we stopped for lunch. We stopped for lunch at the local Fredericos or Freddy's, right? <laughs> Fredericos. <laughs> we went to Fredericos of Hollywood for lunch. No. <laughs> The Freddy's. Freddy's. It's Freddy's. Freddy's. It's the upscale steak and shake. Upscale steak and shake. And for anybody who doesn't know, which I didn't know, and both Chad and Alan both said, it's an upscale. Separately. Yeah, separately. Without consulting. Without being next to each other, they both told me the same exact thing. So, uh, an upscale steak and shake. And we go through the drive-thru, and I'm driving. Chad's in the passenger seat, and Alan's in the back. And I order a double cheeseburger, no bun, because I like to try and stay away from carbohydrates. Chad orders a double bacon cheeseburger, no bun, because he stays away from carbohydrates. And the lady goes, okay, so no bun? I say, yeah, no bun. I give Chad, Chad, his order, no bun. She goes, okay, so a bacon double cheeseburger, no bun? Yep, no bun. And I said, Alan, what do you want? And then Alan says, I, do, I want a double cheeseburger. I'll take the bun. And I say, we want a double cheeseburger. This will be with the bun. And she says, well, at least somebody likes buns in that car. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I said, stop. We're going to be on the internet, man. Just stop. (laughs) It was was a lot of fun. I had so many laughs on that drive. So I've had a lot of laughs this week. So, but anyway, I think probably one, one of the things we're, if we're going to remember anything, we're gone from the house for a week. Yeah. We haven't seen our wives. We haven't seen our family. You were fortunate to have your wife and family come down. But, you know, it's we could still enjoy ourselves, still have some fun, share some of those stories um, with with our friends and develop new friendships. And I'm, and I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, absolutely. So one last one, and we won't take long with it here, but um, Alan, you had a very interesting game yesterday um originally in in this tournament every umpire works two games a day uh on the days when there are four games this year because of some logistical issues and all um four of the umpires uh have had to work three games a day and the three of us on those two days when that happened have all three of us have worked three games um and uh the first day the the third game I took the the plate knowing that it's going to be tough to work plate at the end of your third game um last night we asked the same thing of Brett Oxford that we talked about earlier and you know Brett had to work two long days two long games and then go work a plate and it's 
it's tough. It's tough to do that. It was harder for Brett than it was for me, in part because Allen got behind the dish uh, for the 2 o'clock game yesterday, which was his second game of the day. He was running three games in a row. So went from first base to uh, to plate. And because of the way we've had to work the, the schedule, you don't always just rotate home third, second, first. Sometimes you'll you'll bounce because of just the way we've needed to do things. So Allen originally was supposed to go first to home, and then the third game he's going to work was going to be at second base. And during his plate game, uh, these are seven-inning games. Uh, typically, these games are done in two hours and 20 minutes or so, um, sometimes you know less than that. Uh, Allen had a game that went almost four hours with mm-hmm. extra innings. Um, it was it, It's a game that they will talk about in this tournament, for the next 20 years. I mean, back and forth, uh, mm. Greensboro, North Carolina ends up beating Mexico in what was just really a, a great game. Now, there were there were lots of mistakes made in the game, but again, this, is, this was the fourth day these kids have been playing. They're all away from home. Mm. They're all staying up way too late visiting with everybody else and all that kind of stuff, you know, but, but it was a great game. Um, Alan, after that would have been your your ninth game of the tournament at that point, yeah, you had to be tired. That's right, you know. And here you on a game like that. How do you how do you keep your your focus, your composure, your presence during a game like that? And and it was hot on top of it. like it was hot, hot. It was 127 degrees on the field temperature for for that time frame. Is that real information? Yes, oh, that's when somebody brought their little deal down and shot it down. And mm. and it was it was. Physically challenging, but I'm okay. I mean, I've prepared. I've kept myself because I knew this was going to be a hot week. So physically, I've prepared my body and, and preparation for that. What? Uh, so I didn't really worry too much about that. But as we got later in the game, my legs started getting a little uneasy. You know, doing the the rotations in piece. The the mental side was the challenge. It it was, and again, it, it's supposed to be a seven inning game. We went eleven. Mm-hmm. And after the seventh inning, they didn't score any runs until they actually won the game mm-hmm. in the eleventh. So it was a lot of zeros going up, and there were a lot of a lot of ball strikes and walks and plays. And so it was um, to me. I think I, I was excited about that challenge. One thing I looked at is I'm normally used to working a nine inning baseball game anyway. Yeah, the seven inning games kind of seem short. <clears throat> Add to that though, we get into this type of scenario. Um, thankfully, I. I to me, in my mind, thankfully, I work with a lot of self-talk, a lot of slow down, see it through, you know, just slow yourself down and stay neutral because mm-hmm. they were chanting and screaming and hollering again. Yeah. Uh, you know, it wasn't the USA Mexico thing, but the, the Mexico crowd, those those folks can really get some cheers going. Mm-hmm. And they can boo in mm-hmm. English. And I think <laughs> Spanish and English boo is the same. It might be. Yeah. It might be. So, so yeah, that was, it was fun. It's, it's nice to be able to have that and know that um, I can get to that task and rise to that task and accept it. But I was spent when we came in the locker room afterwards. Uh, I was spent. Yeah. And had to go back out and work another game. It's all right. I got this Rapid. guy that I worked for that was just right back of my mind saying he would say you would expect this in the spring too. So get out there and go to work. Yeah, because in the spring you work a seven and a nine or, or nine, nine and a nine. Or nine and nine and they could go extra innings and you yeah. got to get back out there and work. So yeah. the mental toughness part of it is, is important. Mm-hmm. I, I, it was fun. Yeah. yeah. Fortunately, well, I didn't have to work the last game. 
That's true. My third, because yeah, uh, get to go back and go to bed early. You guys were in the second inning when I went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, it brings up a couple of things. You know, again, we have a responsibility as officials to take care of each other. So when we knew what Allen had been through physically, mentally, all that kind of thing, we shifted his position for the next game. So instead of going to second, where he's going to bounce in and out a lot and that kind of thing, and we've had more close plays at second base in this tournament than any other spot. Mm. On the diamond, uh, so we gave Allen the choice, and you know, Allen Allen took third base that game, and that um, that was good. You know why? Why? Because at that point in time, the sun was down far enough, so I was in the shade the entire uh, time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, but that's a little ways we can take care of of each other. Jeff, I noticed something though working that game. So your position during that four hour long game was what? Second base. You were at second base. Mm-hmm. On a four-man crew, it's it, this is not the college baseball season where you know we all stay away from each other and act like we don't know each other in between innings and that kind of thing. You know, this is an environment where not only can we get together, but we encourage each other to get together because these are long days and you know you're talking and we're talking about the game as well as just hey, how you doing that kind of stuff. Um, because you're at second base, you have the ability to talk with the third base umpire. You got the ability to talk with the first base umpire. You got the ability to have both of them come to you in the middle, that kind of thing. I noticed some things about what you were doing as that game wore on. And I'm curious, what was what was your thought process during that? What role did you feel like you had during that, that long extreme game? Well, one of the things that I for sure didn't want to do unless it was absolutely necessary was have both people come to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to, you know, I felt at least energized enough that I was fine. So I didn't want to put anybody out. I'm going to go every half inning. That's really what I did. One half I went the other side, the other half I went the other side, you know, and we just kept on doing that. And then opposed to maybe getting some water. But really, you know, it was, it was just about keeping people engaged in what was ahead of us still. Um, in... Because we all know when we get hot and sweaty and sticky and, you know, every play, it's just, it doesn't feel like it's going to end. You know, sometimes we just need some sort of voice of reason. And I wasn't really saying, you know, I wasn't doing anything astronomical. I was just saying, hey, how's it going over here, man? Every day, every half inning, we have somebody in scoring position, you know, and and I can't but that was another great play they made. I can't I thought they mm-hmm. were gonna score there. Just to kind of keep them more engaged. Because if we if if you leave someone now I could tell you I thought about this, right. I thought about it. I'm like, no one's checked on Allen. Mm-hmm. But I saw I did see you though on the side talking to the photographer. So you were actually speaking yes. to someone non competitive within right. the game. So I I was a witness to that. I, I watched that. So um, yeah, but uh, ultimately, I truly didn't know if going up and can, talking to Allen, is that going to help his game or make it worse? Because he has the toughest job of all of them. That's right. Meaning he's got to stay focused on what is potentially 400 pitches. Yeah. You know, and to, to be consistent, it's hard enough to do a 200, let alone 400, and in 130-degree heat. So... I just kind of took it on my, you know, as as a as a second base umpire that day, that day. It's like, oh, I can have a conversation with both of them every three outs, basically, or every six outs, yeah. and just keep visiting with them, keep them engaged, and, and keep them going. So, um, 
I did not think, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. It's just what I did. Yes. You noticed that I was doing it. That's I went with what my natural thing to do was, and that was to you know engage in both of those. As yeah, well as and, and here's the reason why I wanted to bring that up. You know, uh, we are at the point of the season now where uh, basketball assignments are coming out. Mm, yeah, <clears throat> JUCO's out. D three's coming out. D two, D one's right around the corner for coming out. So for all of our basketball officials that that are looking at this stuff, um, you know, we talk about a, a crew chief mentality. Right, uh, Allen was crew chief on that game yesterday. You know, he was the plate umpire. He was crew chief. The the quote crew chief for the series and the assistant crew chief for the series were both off that game. So because of that, plate guy's crew chief. And but nobody, the, the crew chief didn't have to look out to Jeff and say, "Hey, take care of those other guys and make sure they stay engaged." Mm-hmm. Jeff does that because Jeff's a crew chief, and I don't mean the crew chief on that game. I mean he has a crew chief mentality. And whether you want to call that a leadership mentality, whether you, whatever you want to call that, right? I, I think it's so important for us all to bring that crew chief mentality to a game. Not from a, I'm going to insert myself and take charge standpoint, but from a, I am going to take care of my crew standpoint. And so you could literally see it, Jeff, going from one side to the next, one side to the next, checking in on the guys, making sure they're okay. Uh, you know, getting them to smile in the midst of what's a, a tough situation, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And uh, I think that's something that we all can be taking into our upcoming season. Baseball, basketball, football, whatever it is. No matter your position on the, on the crew, there is always a way that you can be taking care of the crew. And I will tell you, Alan did a phenomenal job mm-hmm. on that game. To stay with the game that hot, that long, second game of the day, that deep into it and to stay as consistent as he stayed um it it was great work even the the national vice president uh, for the organization that puts this event on uh came out during the the last game last night and alan wasn't here so he didn't get to hear it home asleep (laughs) i said i I said we weren't going to tell him but i think it's appropriate that person came out to the plate and said the guy that had the plate for that game did a phenomenal job Mm -hmm. and I agree and uh, that in part is why uh, Alan's going to be behind the plate tonight for the big championship game uh, which is awesome and know that he's going to rock that out again Alan thanks so much for being with us for this podcast as well as the last one that I know people got to hear Uh, sometimes it's a lot of fun for us to have another voice to uh, bounce things off Mm -hmm. with and on especially somebody that has been as big a supporter of the podcast as you have been in supporter of us and uh, so as the rest of you out there are supportive of us, uh, use that email that you can get your uh, TT t-shirts from, <clears throat> which is the Unco- Uncommon Drive Podcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions, your quotes, your comments, your offenses, whatever it may be. Let us know. My wife tells me all the time, you should not talk. <laughs> she says, you really should not talk. <laughs> I can guarantee you that when my wife listens to this podcast, there is more Uncommon oh. Drive swag coming out. <laughs> That's good stuff. You can absolutely have it. 
it will happen. That's right. Everybody, we hope you have a phenomenal week. Uh, I hope that as uh, you've heard us talk about some of our experiences, that maybe it's uh, encouraged you. It's made you think of some of those good moments in your officiating career where you've had the opportunity to be with a group of people for a while. Or maybe if you've not had that opportunity, it gives you something to look forward to. I would recommend sometimes to, to get an opportunity like this means that you you work down a few levels mm, yeah you know this isn't the level these three guys typically work um and to do that is is neat it may mean you work for less money than you <clears throat> normally work for or whatever but what you gain from it is worth far more than the the paycheck yeah. at the end of it so uh, guys thanks so much everybody have an uncommon drive towards success as you uh, as you work uh, towards your impact in life and the way you lead others and the legacy that you lead see y'all later see you later thanks for listening to the uncommon drive podcast be sure to check us out on spotify apple podcast or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and be sure to leave us a five-star rating For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.